student ministries in here tonight. Great to see you guys. Y'all are going to love it in here, man. You're not going to want to go back to the teen room after tonight. This is going to be so awesome. Amen. To our parents that have to take care of your children tonight instead of someone else, our thoughts and prayers are with you. And uh, we hope that goes really well for you tonight. Uh, I do think our nursery is up and running. Can somebody? Yes? Okay. So, full hint you, Brother Don needs help. The nursery's open. So you can just take him back there and what have you. Y'all know what kind of night this is going to be, don't you? That's right. Look, this, this past Sunday, incredible church. But I want to just tell everybody that when it comes to communion service, pastor gets real serious. I am very passionate about that service. And uh, there's no room for funny and games and jokes. I'll tell you this quick story and we'll start Bible study. When we pastored in Youngstown, Ohio, a uh, hundred years ago, uh, we had communion service one Sunday night. Great presence of God. And our leadership core then, our youth pastor then, knew Boy, he knew, when we have communion, you're reverent, you're respectful, our kids. This is talking about the death of Jesus, man, and there's nothing funny about it. Nothing. Okay. We have the communion cups, and back then they were glass communion cups back in the day. And we broke crackers in pieces, broken bread, and the whole deal and I'm talking to the church and instructing them about communion. And I see our youth pastor holding his cup of juice and the bread, looking down like this, and his shoulders are just shaking. And I thought the man was being touched by the Holy Ghost, and he was just weeping. He was laughing his head off. And he elbowed the guy next to him, who was his brother, and they're looking down. His brother starts giggling, and it just goes down the line. And this whole row of about eight people, or boy, their shoulders are just giving it that. When church was over... Ask the youth pastor if I can talk to you for a minute. I'd like to know what was funny during communion. And uh, he said, Pastor, look at my feet. And I looked down, he had on a black shoe and a burgundy shoe. He got dressed in the dark and did not notice it the entire time church was going on until communion when he bowed his head with his eyes open. I had to give it to him. It was a little funny. (laughs) consolation is he had another pair just like that at home I guess so but anyway we had a great service Sunday and a lot of passion a lot of love for Jesus expressed here Sunday great worship and uh, very thankful for that and uh, really appreciate there's already uh, several people that says hey pastor I know there's things I need to do and I'm just going to do it I'm going to do it I'm just going to do it and I'm really really excited about that and uh uh, I would like to say that Brother Fletcher's coming the 18th of January. And uh, I think Brother Merrill said the 8th, and it's okay. We all do it. I do it all the time. And, uh, but it's uh, the 18th. Invite your friends and family. And uh, it's not to scare anybody. Uh, we're doing this service for this reason. I want everyone to see where we're living. We're living in the end time. We're living in the last days. And that's going to be our reason to just do it. We don't have a lot of time left. And I want it to be a motivator to just do it, which is our theme for this year. 
So uh, invite your friends and family out uh, Sunday the 18th, and uh, let's anticipate a great move of the Holy Ghost. In reference to the up-and-coming business meeting Sunday night, uh, there's a number of folks that's gone through the classes for membership, but you've not turned in your paperwork. And uh, we need you to do that. We need you to do that. Everybody listen very carefully. Everybody listen. Everyone is invited to the business meeting Sunday night. All of Grace, all of Grace Church. I don't recommend you invite your friends and family who do not attend here. It's not really applicable. But otherwise, if you attend Grace, everybody's welcome here Sunday night for the business meeting. If you are a member, we're going to ask you to sit in a designated area. If you are not a member, you can listen and sit towards the back where a lot of you are already accustomed, you know, and um, so, um, but you're all welcome to come, but only the members, and we'll have a list of names here of the members who can vote, and I'll ask them to come up front so we can vote and what have you, but you're welcome to come and listen. Please come and listen. You're invited to come. We want you to know what's going on at Grace, and uh, I hope everybody understands why we have this system in place. If you don't, then see me after church, and I'll be happy to explain it to you. I just explained it to someone just a few minutes ago. So uh, be happy to do that. <clears throat> Let's have Bible study. What do you say? Um, I love Wednesday night Bible study. And uh, y'all hang on a minute. I just got a message from... Um, well, I'm not going to say who it just came from. So he's sitting over there giggling, but we'll, we'll leave it right there. <laughs> Somebody say hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Uh, let's, have, uh, let's move on and have Bible study here tonight. Our tagline for this year, our theme for this year is just do it. Everybody say just do it. Our tagline this year, and it's something that we're going to be building on. Our department heads are aware of it already. Uh, I've circulated around with uh, all of our department heads. But uh, we want to start building relationships. Building relationships is going to be our tagline this year. Just do it is our theme line, or is our theme. Building relationships is our tagline. Tonight I want to teach, and we'll teach uh, every Wednesday night of this month. And we'll see how it goes. I don't know. We may run this over into February and March and April. You never know. But anyway, we'll see how it goes. But I want to listen very carefully. I want everyone in here, this twofold is why everyone's in here, all of our folks that work outside of the sanctuary on Wednesday night, kids ministry, collision ministry, like to give those staff members a break, and I think they're doing a phenomenal job. Let's give them some appreciation. And, uh, uh, but, in, but more than that, I wanted everyone to hear this series of Bible study. I would dare say that 95% of relationship demise is because of expectations are not met one way or the other. It's miscommunicated or not communicated at all. I want to expound on this subject for the next several weeks. I don't want anyone to not be happy attending Grace or working in leadership at Grace 
or being a department head at Grace or being on pastoral staff at Grace with miscommunicated or not non-communicated expectations where I don't really know what they want out of me. I don't know what the pastor wants out of me. I don't know what my Sunday school class wants out of me. We're going to work on this tonight. Listen, this will help you. This material that I'm going to teach is not just for our leadership here at Grace and for our Grace membership, but it's going to help you on your job. It's going to help you in your marriage. It's going to help you in parenting, in every aspect of your life. This is going to be excellent material. If you don't get it all tonight, you can go to the Grace app and listen to it on our Grace app. And I encourage you, if you miss a Wednesday night, please listen to the material of the Wednesday night that you miss. So let's begin tonight. One preacher said that a very prominent married couple was asked, how do you explain your marriage? In spite of their active and pressured life as a professor, conference speakers, church leaders, authors, parents of four, mentors to scores of people, they had one of the neatest relationships I'd ever seen, this pastor said. Slowly but deliberately, the man asked the question, leaned into the microphone at this setting, and said, my wife and I have two unconditional commitments. We have two unconditional commitments. We are unconditionally committed to Christ, and we are unconditionally committed to one another. And that was his answer on the success of their marriage. It's that simple, and it's that profound. What an unconditional commitment to a spouse, while it may include several components very close to the top of the list is the commitment to manage each other's expectation in a biblical and constructive manner. And it is critical to constructing any strong and stable relationship. Notice the screen. Every relationship, every relationship involves expectations whether it is at home, church, work, or even in the neighborhood you live in. Every relationship involves expectations. When you enter a marriage, I would especially want our young people to hear this, when you enter a marriage, you have expectations of your spouse and your spouse has expectations of you. Everybody say amen. If you're parenting, if you have children, you have expectations of your children. And your children have expectations of you. It's true on your job. It's true at your bank. It's true in your neighborhood. It's true on the, neighbor, on the highway when you're driving. It's true in the classroom. And it is certainly true at church, when you engage a relationship with God or any church member, church leader, pastor, assistant pastor, there's going to be expectations out of that relationship both ways. Where our relationship demise happens 
is when we have expectations of someone and do not properly communicate them, nor do we really pay any attention to what the other person is expecting out of us. And that's where the demise happens. And I would risk to say tonight that 90 to 95% of all relationships when they fail is due to this principle. In his book, Little House on the Freeway, Tim Kimmel identified four characteristics of a home with peace. He identified four characteristics of a home that has peace in it. One of the four is that they discipline their expectations. They discipline their expectations. Bob Bale, author and speaker on Christian management, writes concerning expectations. Notice the screen. All miscommunications, all miscommunications are the result of differing assumptions. I assume this person that I'm in a relationship with is going to do X, Y, Z. I assume my church is going to do X, Y, Z. I assume the pastor is going to do X, Y, Z. Let me tell you what I'm talking about here tonight. I have people that get uncomfortable with me in two areas. I have two areas where people get uncomfortable with a pastor. Number one is when I go to the hospital to see them and they don't want me to. They don't want to be seen with their hair messed up and tubes coming out of their body and stuff. They don't want people to see that. They don't want their pastor to see that. I understand it. Can I be honest? I really don't want to see it either. I like you the way you are sitting here all pretty in church. Okay. But then people get frustrated with me if I don't go see them in the hospital. It's not communicated. I expected pastor to come see me, and he didn't. Or... Man, I didn't want pastor to come up here and see me. I was so embarrassed and couldn't wait till he left. It's not communicated. That's just one small example. But do you understand how relationships can be based on assumptions? And when those assumptions are not met or fulfilled, then there's a demise to that relationship. And it's never really communicated as to what happened. The evidence is overwhelming. And most people, including people here at Grace Church, do not do well when it comes to managing expectations. And I'll be the first to raise my hand and say I'm not good at that either. I try real hard to be a communicator. Oftentimes when I'm talking to people, I'll ask them, do you understand what I'm saying? Do you understand what I just said? I said that a couple of times tonight talking to somebody. Do you understand what I just said? And when I get this then I assume they understood. Sometimes I'll have people repeat back to me what I just said just to make sure what went out of my mouth is what went in their ear. I'm not majoring on minors tonight, folks. This is huge in the church arena, and it's huge in marriage, it's huge in parenting, and it's huge on your job. You have assumptions and expectations out of your employer and he don't have a clue what they are because you never said it. But he's supposed to know somehow through ESPN. I mean ESP. <clears throat> so let's talk about the 
mismanagement. What happens when there's the mismanagement of expectations? When expectations are poorly managed, negative emotions emerge. Any one of whom can be destructive in any relationship, especially if it continues. How many of you men, married men, have experienced something along this line? You walk in the door, and your lovely wife is sitting there, and she's as mad as a hornet because you wasn't home for dinner. You worked late, or you ran an errand on the way home from work, and your question to her is, why didn't you tell me you were cooking? Her answer is always this. You were supposed to know. Any of you men have the guts to raise your hand and say, that's happened to me? Bunch of babies. We have like one, two. You bunch of ninny babies. Scared to death, man. When I get home, she's going to let me have it. If this kind of stuff continues... You give this person you're in relationship with, whether it's home, church, school, wherever it's at, work, after a while you're going to give them some leverage to start using these incidences against you and they can start winning arguments and what have you. It's mismanagement of expectations. Okay, There's two emotions that come out of mismanaged, actually there's more than that, I'll mention two right now. There's at least two emotions that come out of this mismanagement of expectation. Anger and sadness is probably the feeling of the person whose expectations are not being fulfilled. They get angry and they get very sad. It can be you or your spouse or your pastor or your colleague, or any person with whom you have a relationship where there are expectations that are poorly managed. The other two emotions are anxiety and shame. These may be the feelings of the person who's trying to meet the expectations of the other individual. I have a little table they're going to put on the screen that will kind of show you how this, how this works. You see expectations in the middle of the screen. You'll notice on the end of the word expectations, there's the word realistic, and then there's the word unrealistic. So expectations can be realistic, or they can be unrealistic. It can be your spouse walking up to you and saying, if you don't quadruple your salary in the next month, I'm out of here. That's probably an unrealistic expectation. But then there's other expectations that can be very realistic in any number of levels and ways. So when expectations, whether they're realistic or unrealistic, when they're not met, when expectations are not met, what causes the anger is because, or anger is a byproduct, excuse me, of that expectation being blocked or not done. So it causes anger. So when you don't show up for dinner when dinner's prepared, but you didn't know dinner was being prepared, but you were still expected to be there some kind of way, there's a breach somewhere in the communication cycle. And then you'll notice that there's anxiety. Anxiety is a byproduct of people who are uncertain 
in their relationships. I don't know where I stand. And I'm going to be honest with you tonight, pastor experiences that feeling fairly often with church people because you never quite know where you stand. If people need to be corrected, if people need to be reoriented in another direction, you don't know how approachable they are all the time. You don't know how much the relationship can bear. And I certainly want to be the last one that runs anybody off. But still, sometimes, pastor has to be pastor no matter what happens. This often happens with parents when you're uh, trying to discipline your children, especially if they're, they're older. You really don't know where you stand with them. You don't know how far you can push them. You don't know the area of discipline to take. You don't know what kind of parameters to set. Anxiety is caused by uncertainty in expectations. Number three, the third byproduct of expectations unmanaged is sadness. Sadness is a byproduct of when a person is lost in their relationship. They have no identity. They have no value. They don't feel important to the person they're in relationship with. Church people go through this a lot. I've heard church people say it more than one time. It doesn't matter if I'm at church or not because I'm just one person and nobody will really notice. I think it's a sad tragedy when people choose a church so they can go hide in the crowd and if someone notices they're there, fine. If they're not missed when they're not there, fine too. To me, it tells that person there's an element of sadness about them when it comes to the kingdom of God. There's an element of sadness when it comes to church and a relationship with their pastor. And they're, they're lost. They don't feel value and they don't have an identity. And then there's uh, shame. And shame is caused when there is a failure in expectation. That my spouse expected so-and-so of me. My parents expected so-and-so of me. My pastor expected so-and-so of me, but I failed in that. I couldn't do it. I couldn't live up to that expectation. So this is why there has to be the very strong and firm management of expectations between married people, between parents and kids, between kids and parents, between church people and pastor, between church people and church people. This works on every level. It works with you on your job. I don't know how many people, and if you're honest tonight, would raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to, but you're probably real. There's people here tonight that are no doubt frustrated right now over your job because you really don't know what your boss expects out of you. And it seems like it changes every day. It's not communicated. No one says it. No one brings it up. Both are afraid to bring it up. When really and truly, the quality of a relationship should be able to bear whatever level of communication it deserves so it can survive. Your marriage ought to be worth whatever level of communication it takes for that marriage to survive. Everybody say amen. <laughs> I'm not trying to promote here tonight, and if you're married... You know your spouse has buttons that if you're smart, you won't push them. Just keep your dumb mouth shut. Now, if you're trying to provoke a fight or, or, or provoke uh, disharmony and what have you, disunity in the home, then, then you shouldn't do that. Same thing in church. If you're just trying to provoke somebody, keep your dumb mouth shut. But if you're sincere, 
and say, look, I, I think, Brother Gary, all of our Sunday school teachers, any of them under his watch, should be able to walk up to him or Sister Ashley at any time and say, I don't really understand what your expectations are. Can we talk about it? That don't mean he gets mad and says, I've told you a thousand times. Don't bother me with that anymore. That don't mean that. You sit down with a lot of patience and say, okay, let's talk about it again. And a lot of this is already done in writing uh, in our very large document base at Grace Church. The same is true between church people. If a relationship is worth having, how many people here tonight don't raise your hand, but if you've experienced this with someone that you thought was a friend of yours and they haven't talked to you in the past three weeks and you can't figure out why, you understand what I'm saying here tonight? We all have, this runs rampant with young people. And young people, as smart as they think they are, they're pretty much as dumb as a brick when it comes to this part of life. You know. Sorry, no offense. Ashley and Brianna. Heather and Fred. And just right down the line. I just don't know why she won't talk to me. She must have been talking to my boyfriend. And you start assuming all this stuff, and probably none of it's true. I'll be very transparent. I'm a very transparent man, but through 38 years of marriage, Sister Murph on more than one occasion has said, what's wrong? You're not talking. And I'm very rarely successful in persuading her that I have nothing to say. If I have something to say, I'll say it. I'm not afraid. I will speak freely. I am an American. I'm not a real chatty patty sometimes. I like to just close myself up with my thoughts and let the brain run and process and what have you. It don't mean I'm mad. It don't mean I'm pouting. It just means I'm thinking. And I am a thinker. Wish some of you were. It's good exercise to develop. Use that brain for something besides, never mind. Okay. Let's talk about anger, anxiety, sadness, and shame for just a minute. Let's talk about anger first. <clears throat> when people are prevented from seeing their expectations realized, they often respond with anger. Is that not true? I remember one time I was a supervisor uh, in an office setting. Uh, with had four or five draftsmen that worked under me and, uh, in an engineering business. And um, we all had our little cubicle, kind of like you do today. We all had little cubicles. And uh, the little girl sitting next to me in the next cubicle was a very volatile person. Very volatile person. Anything could set her off any time. Didn't matter. And I asked her to do something job-related that was very simple, very menial. And she just ripped her drawing up off of her drawing, drafting table and threw the whole thing over, and it landed on my head. And it looked like for a while that I was wearing a veil. And it just struck me funny. And I just started hee-hawing about it. And this girl was as mad as a pistol, man. I mean, she was, she was just, she was really, really angry. And again, 
what I asked her to do, she thought was beneath her expectations. It's expectations. She thought what I'd ask her to do was beneath her. And so this is, she responded in anger. Instead of getting out of her chair and walking around to my cubicle and saying, can I talk to you a minute? And I didn't know this was a part of my job description, which it was. She didn't want it to be was a problem. But can we talk about this for a minute? And she ultimately quit. And the man that owned the company at that time came to my cubicle about three days later and said, man, I'm so glad that happened. We've been looking for a reason to let her go out the door. And uh, that worked. So I got an attaboy and a pat on the back for that. I thought that was pretty cool. Didn't realize it was a good way to do that, but it is what it is. But she responded in anger. A Christian leader, a Christian leader may be angry with you because you or they are perceived as the obstacle preventing you from seeing a goal fulfilled. And I have pastored long enough where I've had church leadership approach me about that. So-and-so is in my department. So-and-so is in my class. Do you think I'm an obstacle to their growth? Do you think I'm preventing them from developing more and more in Jesus? Do you think I can take them and develop them where they need to be? And sometimes people get angry with themselves when that happens. I'm trying to throw out as many scenarios here tonight as I can that are, that are true. There, there's things that's actually happened. Anger is a legitimate thing. Any of you parents that have teenagers at home? <clears throat> Kara, don't want to call any names, but anyway, teenagers at home. A teenager may be angry with a parent. <laughs> this is so funny. Because they blame their parent. You're in my way from being what I want to be and doing what I want to do. If you wasn't in my life, I could do everything I want to do and I could, I could do whatever I please, blah, 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 and you're the reason. Any parents ever been down that road before? It's when there's a breach in expectations, it oftentimes produces anger. A spouse can become resentful and angry with his or her partner who stands in the way of a dream coming true. So I want everyone to understand here tonight, if, if you are in a relationship with someone, whether it's church-based, home-based, whatever it is, if you recognize that there's anger in the atmosphere, if you start investigating it, get people to calm down. Don't be emotional, but calm down. And ask them, do you think I'm expecting too much of you? Or do you think my expectations are unrealistic? Is there, something, is there a breach here that has to do with expectations and my ability or inability to communicate it? I want to say something to everybody in this building tonight about anger. The best thing you can do when you're angry is keep your dumb mouth shut. Do everything in your power to just zip it. Because you're going to say a bunch of stuff you regret. Why, you sorry, low, down, no good piece of humanity. I hate your guts. I don't want to ever see you again. I despise you. I dreaded the day you were born and the day we met. And ten minutes later, you look at the old sap and say, I didn't really mean that. But you just said it, man. You said it. When you're angry, be quiet 
is all costs be quiet until you calm down. When you're emotional, keep your dumb mouth shut and don't make decisions when you're emotional. More than likely, it's going to be the wrong one. Calm down. Get your brains about you. Get your wits about you. That's just good advice. That's not in my notes, but you can have that tonight for free, and I won't take it out of the offering. <clears throat> the second thing that happens tonight when we mismanage expectations is sadness. While it's much less intense than anger, it's no less hurtful. And if I could ask everybody here tonight, everybody has experienced this. You've been very saddened by the breach of a relationship that you loved and you enjoyed. Especially when it comes to church, marriage, parenting. I know parents that are completely alienated from their kids. I know preachers. Sister Murphy and I have known ministers through the years. They'll have one child that has nothing to do with their parents. And it hurts, man. And for whatever reason, it just seemingly can't be fixed. I know couples that are married that have kids that are divorced and they won't speak to each other. They won't have anything to do with each other even though they have kids together and you need to communicate for the sake of the kids. This goes on and on. It happens with church. Our tagline overall for grace, not for 2015, but our tagline for grace, when you go to our website, it's a place of hope, healing, and restoration. It's been our tagline for years. And we mean it because there's a lot of sad people that comes here. They're saddened when they walk in the door because of a broken relationship with a previous church, previous ministry, previous relationship. They're heartbroken. And it's our desire to help them heal in every way we can. But sadness is a huge byproduct of mismanaged expectations. When the expectations of your partner, your friend, your colleague, your child are simply lost, ignored, or forgotten in the busyness and frenzy of your life, there's a sadness and a feeling of being unappreciated, a feeling of having no value. In either case, These feelings can erode and corrupt any relationship over a process of time. They are the soil that produces a harvest of hurt. Sadness. People are saddened by broken relationships. I want to say to our young folks here tonight, young people can be brutal. In that 13 through 18, 19-year-old, even I'll go all the way up to 25. Young people can be brutal. And we have several in our youth group that are dating one another. And I know they're all volatile and it can all fall apart in a minute. Can just like that, something silly can happen and the girl will tell the boy, I won't ever see you again. You're the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Or he can say that to the girl. But you don't know how bad that's going to hurt. And you don't know how, what level of sadness that's going to cause. I got a text from one of our parents this past week. Their teenage child is reeling right now, reeling bad. And our thoughts and prayers are with them, that family. But it all started with a hurt. It all started with a hurt. It all started with a sadness that took away joy, took away future, took away hope. And they went berserk. Now, I'm not going to totally blame the other person you know we need to be big people and understand that hurts in life are going to come 
But I've seen more than one person stream in and out of this church that was hurt and broken over another human being or a church or a pastor. And it's where we do not understand and calculate where your level of expectation may be very low in them. It may be very high in you. And when you hurt them, you cause a level of sadness that oftentimes people spend years recovering from. I know of people that fell in love as a teenager with somebody but never married for the rest of their life. When that person didn't work out, I don't want anyone else, and they never married. It hurt them that bad. And we need to understand that. Just because your expectations are at one level don't mean the person you're in relationship with that their expectations are at the same level. And we need to be cognizant of that. Anxiety. Let's talk about anxiety. Anxiety can become your emotional pitfall. Anxiety is brutal. You may feel this way when you are uncertain of what exactly someone's expectations are. I've heard this in marriage. I've heard it for years in marriage where a spouse will come in and say, I just don't know what the other spouse expects out of me. I do everything I know to do, but I can never please my spouse. I've heard children say it. I have worked. I've done well in school. I make straight A's. I've done everything I know to do. I work hard. I paid my way through college, and I cannot get the approval of my parents. Folks, you don't know how this sends people reeling. We have to be careful in our relationships with people. And just because your expectations of them may not be that high, their expectations of you may be off the chart. And we need to understand that. And we need to be respectful of that and to handle it and appreciate it appropriately. Oh, yes, we do. I've talked to pastors. I've heard them cry on the phone, and I've done it. Where you lose a family. That family thought it was no big deal. But they don't know how bad it hurt, man. Love those people. There's people to this day, there's people to this day that I love them and would to God they were back at grace. They don't know how bad it hurt when they left. So we have to understand and be cognizant of expectations because yours are at one level doesn't mean the other person's are at that level and it needs to somehow be communicated. You listen to me tonight. When I walk up to you after church or before church or I see you in a restaurant and I tell you, I am really happy you're a part of Grace Church. I mean it. I don't patronize anybody. And there's lots of folks that I tell you all the time, I'm glad you're a part of Grace Church. I mean it, man. So that means I have high expectation of our future together. I plan for you to be here a long time. I plan for you and I to work together in the kingdom for many years to come. And I hope you grow and develop that's my expectation. Yours may be, well, I come to Grace. It's a nice church. not that big of a deal, but I come. I like it okay. And, you know, a year or two later, I walk by you and I don't shake your hand. And Well, that's it for me. I'm out the door. I walked by several people tonight, did not speak, did not shake your hand. I was trying to get to Melanie Tipler for a very important reason. And I knew if I stopped to talk to you, she'd wander off somewhere and I'd miss her. While I'm on that subject, 
let me just go ahead and inject here, and it has nothing to do with anxiety. Yes, it does, because it causes me anxiety. <clears throat> this is a great venue to mention this. I'm going to ask everybody in church, as much as possible, let pastor and pastor staff just walk around and shake your hand and say, hello, good to see you. And you say, good to see you. And if you have some long, deep, dark discussion that you want to have, let's make an appointment. You don't know how many times I get stuck right here talking to people and guests walk out the door and I never get to speak. That's why I go down during song service on Sunday morning. I don't get to speak to them otherwise. So I want everybody to start conditioning your mind. You have access to me anytime, day or night. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You call me, text me, email me. I'll be happy to talk to you. But just let me work the crowd. Let Pastor, let uh, Brother Merrill and Brother Dave help me work the crowd, welcome our guests, and talk to people that we think may be hurting or that need some attention, that needs a little TLC, whatever. Everybody good with that? If you would, I'd appreciate it. All right, back to anxiety. <clears throat> you may feel anxiety when you're uncertain of what exactly someone's expectations are. They talk, or they, excuse me, they won't talk. They won't talk. They say, if you really cared about me, you would know what's wrong with me. Has anybody ever heard that line before? If you really loved me, you would know what's wrong with me. That's where I go back to that old pop song years ago. What's love got to do with it? I can have that happen with people I'm not in love with. Love don't have anything to do with me knowing what's going through your mind. What I look like, some kind of, this is what you're thinking. You're disappointed at me because I didn't come home for dinner because you didn't tell me. I discern what's going on in your mind. What do you think people are? Why don't you grow up and say what's on your mind? And say it in a nice way. Leave out the sarcasm. Leave out being cynical. Put a smile on your face and say, my bad. I didn't let you know I was cooking dinner. Just go ahead and own up to it, man. You're dead wrong. You're dead in the water. And admit it. I don't feel like I'm gaining one ounce of ground here tonight. It's just going... <clears throat> so when people say, if you really cared, you would know, but, but you don't know. And then you find yourself saying, well, what, what do they really want, man? You go to work the next morning and say, I walked in, my wife, and she was in a bad mood, and I said, baby, what's the matter? And she said, if you really loved me, you would know already what's the matter. And you're telling your buddy at work, I have no clue, man. I don't know what happened. And it could be vice versa. Men can get real pouty and stupid, you know, whatever. So they never really say what the problem is, but they complain about your conduct all the time. And they come talk to the pastor. I just don't understand what's wrong with my spouse. I don't understand what's wrong with that person at church. 
there, there's something wrong. Well, did you go talk to them about it? No, I just don't know what to say. Well, go talk to them. What do you want me to do? Go get them. I'll tell you, I had the coolest thing happen one time when we were in Youngstown. We went to a party one Saturday night, a bunch of church people, kind of a game night thing. It was a lot of fun, barrel of fun. And when we left, the group got in this huge debate. Was, the room was divided, about 50-50 on each side. One said you should serve grape juice at communion. The other one said you should serve wine. And they got in a knockdown drag out, man. And by the time I got, Sister Murphy and I got home, about 30 minutes later, the phone was ringing. I ain't coming to church no more. Why? Because so-and-so offended me. Why? Because they think we ought to use wine at communion. I'm like, really? So I said, okay, I'll talk to him. Got to church the next morning, and there was about 12 of them. And I went to each one, tapped them on the shoulder, and said, can you come see a minute? And they all come to my office, and they're all looking at each other. Like, okay, who was the snitch? And I went to town. I said, tell me what the problem is. And they all got, their face got red and their neck turned red. And we don't have a problem. Yes, you do. And I, to this day, I have a bag of rocks in my office. If you want to come in and talk bad about somebody, I'm going to give you some rocks and you can go stone them. Go stone them, man. It's the same thing. You're going to beat them up and talk bad about them? Just go throw some rocks at them. Just start you know, ping one off their head and hit them in the eye. Just go for it. It's what you're doing anyway. So I don't have too many people come to me with that anymore. But that's how I feel about it. If you think something's up with somebody and, and, and the relationship's not where it should be, talk to them about their expectations. If someone approaches you wanting to talk to you about that, sit down and listen. It's important to them, man. If it wasn't, they wouldn't be talking about it. Marriage, parenting, church, job. This is good stuff. Helps you build relationships. And then finally tonight is shame. When it's clear you have failed to meet the expectations of the other person, you feel embarrassed, you feel ashamed, you feel unworthy. Children often struggle with this emotion when they come to the conclusion that they can never please their parents. And I mentioned this a moment ago. Firstborns really struggle with this. For these reasons alone, we must endeavor to cultivate some skills and strategies for becoming better managers of our expectations and the expectations of people who mean a great deal to us. Let me give you two quick biblical examples in conclusion. Y'all remember when Abraham sent his servant to find a wife for his son Isaac? Does anybody remember that story? Y'all raise your hand and wake you up a little bit. Kind of move around a little bit. In commissioning his servant, several expectations was clearly expressed by Abraham. He said, he's got to be from our home country. He's got to be from among our relatives. Got to offer her gifts of gold, jewelry, and fine clothing. Leaving her home and traveling to where Isaac lived was a requirement, and there had to be God's guidance in it. The servant, although in an inferior position to Abraham, begins some negotiating and says, what if she doesn't leave home and tries to offer some alternative? Abraham rejects the alternative and re-clarifies his expectations. This is what I want you to do. So it was communicated very clearly what Abraham wanted his servant to do, and that's what his servant did. So there was no breach of expectation on either side. And God worked it out, and Isaac got his wife. I think we need to try that 
I think parents need to be a little more involved in who their kids pick for their forever spouse. Even the pastor, I'd love to help you out. I'll help you if you'll only promise to listen. There's one more story in the Bible. You remember the story when Mark wanted to travel with Paul and Barnabas? And Paul said, no, I don't want Mark traveling with us. In this case, there was no explanation. And the Bible is very clear that uh, Barnabas got upset. This is my buddy. This is my friend. This is my convert. I want him to come with us. I want to train him. I want to teach him. I want to mentor him and so on. And Paul said, no, if he comes, I'm not going. He's not coming with us and offered no no explanation. And somehow they were able to work that out. Paul and Barnabas was able to work that out, even though there was no expectations communicated. So this is a biblical concept that we must use as mandates in our relationships with our spouse, our parents, our kids, our church member, people we work with, and so on. I'm talking about building relationships. And if you don't do this, you're going to always struggle in your relationships. Why do pastors leave churches prematurely and leave disillusioned? There's a breach of expectation. Either he had more than what his church could produce or his church had more than what he could produce. A simple set down could probably work a lot of it out in most cases. If it doesn't go too long. Why does marriages struggle? There's a breach of expectation. There's, there's a miscommunication or no communication in expectations. There's people here tonight that live with this every day in relationships with people. I know you do in your marriage, and I know you, some of you do in church. This is where you've lived, and we need to promote ourselves up the food chain, if you will, in how we communicate and how we understand expectations. Notice the screen as we bring this to a conclusion. When expectations are assumed, never expressed, when they are imposed, never negotiated, when they are ignored or unrealistic, there is suffering, trouble, and sometimes failure in one way or another. You can't assume, you cannot ever never express, you can't impose into expectations. You have, sometimes you have to negotiate things. This is a part of building relationships. And I pray to God we can understand it. If you didn't catch all this tonight, please go back and listen to it again on our church app. It's excellent material. There's people here tonight that's living with sub-level relationships, and it's because you can't manage the expectation. Try it and see. Don't let it become an argument and a debate. State your case, let them state their case, and then you negotiate it out. Next Wednesday night, let's take two Wednesday nights to do this, I'm going to show you how you do that. It's going to be really cool stuff next Wednesday night. We'll have a handout for you, and uh, we'll have something on the screen that you can follow along with, take notes, and what have you. But we're going to show you how this process works to make your relationships better. Here's the point, and I conclude with this. When people come to Grace Church, we want to go beyond just being a friendly church. We want to start building relationships with people that attend here. I don't want it to be a, hey, man. I say, hey, man, because I don't know your name. 
I don't want us to just shake hands and, and keep walking. Uh, Brother Merrill's going to introduce here in a few weeks what we're going to call probably the eight-foot rule about relationships. It's going to be really cool. And uh, so we're going to start working this. So when people come into the church, start building a relationship with these people. Get to know them. They don't have to sit on your side and your section and all that kind of stuff. Get up off your <clears throat> and go meet them. Go talk to them. This happened beautifully last night. Um, we very rarely do this, but for the sake of illustration, I'll do this tonight. We're very glad to have Sister Patricia. Raise your hand. She wants to become a part of our Grace family, and we welcome her open-hearted, open arm. Thank you for that. If I wasn't supposed to tell that, forgiveness is easier than permission. I'm trying to build a relationship here, and I'm off to a good start. So, But uh, one of our church members was telling another church member last night about Sister Patricia and called her Sister Patricia. And the other church member said, well, who is that? She said, I just said, that's Sister Patricia. Okay, well, we heard that part. We're looking for a little more. How do you spell it, for example, would be a good place to start. But it's already begun that the Grace Church member has already engaged, learned her name, found out where she lives, is starting to build a relationship. And that's what I'm talking about. It's a perfect example of that. So, folks, help me start building relationships with people. Go out to eat with them. Get out of your comfort zone, and you'll help us cause Grace Church to grow. I'm asking our department heads to do it especially and our leadership people to do it. Step out of your comfort zone. If you see somebody new that's been coming to Grace a Sunday or two, introduce yourself to them. Say, hey, let's have lunch next Sunday after church. You want to hear something really cool? This gentleman right here moved here a few months ago. I didn't even know he was coming thanks to he just showed up. And so I asked this person right here sitting next to him, What's Charles doing here? He's been here like every weekend. Oh, he moved here. Like I'm supposed to know. I have ESPN. <laughs> so I want to get to know Charles. I like Charles. So Sister Murphy and I took them out to lunch. Emerald had to come, of course. Known Emerald forever. But of course we invited her. But had a great time to get acquainted with him. I want to build a relationship with this man. Y'all understand? Just do it. Do it. Just do it. All right. That's all I have to say. God bless you. You're dismissed. I'm glad you're here. Thank you for coming. Our young folks, I told you you was going to enjoy it. You loved it. It was awesome. You don't even have to tell me you did. I already know you did. God bless you. <laughs> we'll see you all Sunday morning.